Welcome to Living on Purpose. I'm Mark Humphrey here with my co-host, Dr. Christy Stewart, coming to you from the Circle City, Indianapolis, Indiana. The topic today is one that we have referred to on just about every show, the illusion of separation. And we are pleased to have Richard Brandon here with us today. Richard has had his own talk show for the last 14 years titled Bringing Love to Life. His show is a positive and inspiring talk radio show that serves as a voice for the movement of loving ourselves and others on the earth. As an executive producer and host, Richard artfully weaves compelling down-to-earth conversations with today's leading social change artists and addresses many of today's top social issues. So we'd like to thank you for coming on the show and sharing your vast experience with us today. It's a joy to be here. You know, this topic is really important to living on purpose. So to begin, can you introduce the topic for someone that has really no idea of what we're talking about when we say the illusion of separation? Um, yeah, let me start with a parable. A rabbi was giving instruction to a classroom of children, and he asked him this question. How do you know the night is over and the day has come? Well, one little boy raised his hand and said, Rabbi, Rabbi, I know. In the early morning dawn, you can tell the difference between a horse and a donkey. And the rabbi smiled, acknowledged the response, and repeated the question. A little girl answered and she said, Rabbi, you can tell the difference between an apple tree and a pear tree. The rabbi again smiled, acknowledged the response, and again he repeated the question. At this time, another little guy got a little exasperated and said, Rabbi, I don't think we know the answer. Can you please give us the answer to the riddle you just gave us? And the rabbi got quiet and looked into all their eyes because the eyes are the window to the soul. And he said, you know the night is over and the day has come when you can look into the eyes of any human being and there see your brother or your sister. For if you do not see your brother or your sister, you know the night is not over and the day is yet to come. So the rabbi was trying to give instruction to these children to let them know that we are all one. We are all family regardless of our sex, our gender, our color of our skin, our tribe, our culture, we're one. And the beautiful thing about that, it's something that the spiritual sages have been teaching from various religions for thousands of years, but something really incredible has happened in the last two or three decades. There's been this amazing convergence of science and spirituality together. I mean, physics teachers are becoming rock stars on NPR, <laughs> along with the Deepaks and the Wayne Dyers, and they're sharing the same stage, as a matter of fact, because of something called quantum physics. And so because of that, it's really rocked the world, and it's reminded people that this separation that we have, separation that I believe has caused every war we've ever had on the face of this earth, or wars between brothers and sisters and within our families, that that has been an illusion. And it's really uh, caused us to fear more than love. And because we continue to see that, we continue to see the violence in this world. But when we realize it's an illusion, when we realize and come to an understanding, in other words, I like to say it's dropped from our head knowledge into our heart knowledge. So it's dropped from just knowing it to illumination. And when something illuminates, you automatically like wake up and know. Another way of stating it is when you fall in love with something, you can't help but want to protect it. 
When I was a little boy growing up in Springfield, Illinois, we had acres of woods behind our house. And that's where I, I grew up to love nature, grew up to love animals, critters, um, <laughs> the stars in the sky, because I just fell in love with it. So I, you could say I became an environmentalist, not because of head knowledge or watching that Al Gore movie of years ago, <laughs> but because I fell in love with nature and fell in love with animals. And so because of that, to this day, I'm an animal rights activist, I'm an environmentalist. If I see anything like that being harmed, without even thinking, I'll have a choiceless choice. I'll just jump in mm -hmm. and try to help. So that's where I'm saying, when you fall in love with something, you can't help but want to protect it. Well, if I have a sense that I'm your brother, right here in this studio, we're one, even though we just met, that, and I know someone's gonna do harm to you, I'll want to jump in and help protect without even thinking about it. I don't need a law, I don't need to be browbeaten, I just naturally do it. It's born out of love. The activism is born out of love, not anger and not fear. And that's why this illusion of separation and understanding it, it sounds complicated, but it's really not, is so vitally important because so many people are still living and working and operating in this illusion of separation and they're not getting as much out of life as they could and they're not experiencing the complete deep inner peace and joy for themselves that they could i agree with you completely because that's you know this is a big thing that we've talked about you know over and over and in just about every topic that we've that we've had on our show whether it be success or hope or failure or the meaning of life or uh, any of those things that that coming from a place of fear rather than coming from a place of love is coming from a place of judgment rather than compassion yeah and all that does is separate us from one another which is not what we want absolutely. and it's not what we need absolutely absolutely and if you're still operating in that probably the greatest thing the greatest fear there is or the greatest need i think there is is the need for self-love um, I know in my life, I look back on my life and I realize I did a lot of good badly. <laughs> that while I was loving others and loving the world and loving the Haitians, I've made six trips to Haiti because I've cared about what's going on in Haiti, I really wasn't loving myself. And it took the insight from a few friends and some energy drains in my life and some physical symptoms to be a wake-up call for me. So I took almost a year off to do just that, to be still, to be quiet, um, to downsize, downsize the thoughts, and and really start working on that loving myself too. So you can have a separation within yourself as well. And, uh, and so that's even an illusion because we don't have to do that. When we fail to connect with others, because a lot of times we don't believe that they can really care about us because right. we have such a low self-esteem or we've been told over and over and over and over in our life that we're not worthy, we're not enough, then we right. take that on and we believe it. Right. And then we send that out and we push people away and we fail to connect with people. We fail to love other people because right. as you said, we can't, we don't right. love ourselves or we don't see ourselves as worthy. And so we can't connect. We don't believe that we can connect with other people. They're, they've got more money than me, more education than me, more stature than me. They have a house. I don't. They have mm -hmm. this and I mm -hmm. don't. So that means I'm not as worthy as them. Right. But that's a culture that we have cultivated in this country. Yeah. That those things matter, but really who you are, if you're a good person and you take care of other people, that's not as important as having a big right. house and a lot of money. Right. 
What about subjects like racism or people that live in different cultures? Is it just human nature that we think of them as less than us? This is one of the reasons why we have that separation. Is it is that just human nature? Well, I think that we think that oneness and being one with everything and everyone and the whole illusion of separation, the oneness is that it's about that we have to be the same. But it's not. Oneness is not about being the same. Mm-hmm. The not being separate is not about having to be alike. Mm-hmm. It's it's just a re, it's a universal truth. Right. But we all have right. our individual differences that we bring to the table. That's the point. That's the meaning of life, right? We bring our right. what is your piece <clears throat> that you bring to the table? But how does your piece fit with somebody else's piece? And well, and what we bring to the table, that's one thing. But what you talked about, prejudice and things like yeah. that, I, I don't believe we're wired that way. I believe when little babies come into the world, they're innocent and pure. And that's why I've often said these days, I, I, I'm here uh, on your show as a former bookaholic. And uh, I used to walk into borders and people would bow down. Oh, he's here with his visa card. And then I realized it's really not so much about spiritual or personal development. It's about remembrance. Mm -hmm. Simply remembering who we were, who we always have been. And so if you've been raised up in a culture of hate or prejudice or what have you, more than likely your brain will be wired that way. But evidence has shown and scientific evidence has shown that if you haven't, that's totally new to you. And so, and we've also learned now, we can rewire our brains. We don't have to be that way anymore. And we've seen lots of testimonies and powerful stories about people like that who've changed their way of thinking, right? And so that's the beautiful thing about that, that we don't have to be that way. So what are some of the steps that, if somebody wanted to change, if somebody wanted to start looking at this as one or a whole, how do they start that? Well, I think it starts with our hearts. I don't think it's ever really been about our heads. I think it started with our hearts. A lot of your listeners might have heard of a name like Eckhart Tolle, for example, Eckhart Tolle, who wrote The Power of Now, which was really an international bestseller, and he was a darling on Oprah for a long time. But he came to this insight of oneness because he suffered through major depression. He was a miserable guy. And he literally crashed and burned one day and ended up on a park bench. That story, from what I'm told by the guy who published his books, Mark Allen at New World Library, is true. That he woke up, he had that breaking point. We often hear stories, right, about people who have to hit rock bottom before they go up. Well, there's a lot of truth to that because finally your ego and your mind and your processing, oh my God, the constant processing, finally has hit the end of the road. It's not serving you anymore. And so you finally get to that point where you just stop. I came down with amnesia at the end of 2010. Um, I had amnesia for 18 hours. I was leading a meeting of creating yet another function here in Indianapolis, and I had a board picked, and it came off my last event I'd done for Journey's Fire, uh, it was with Michael Beckwith and his wife, Ricky Byers Beckwith, at the St. Luke's Sanctuary. And that was stressful, only because of ticket sales and another big event and things like that. And here I am. And let's just say that that year I was doing way too much. Mm-hmm. So I think the gift I had was spirit, source, whatever you want to call it, finally had to take my mind away. And I ended up at Community North Hospital 
in a hospital bed, not knowing why I was there, ended up uh, calling a friend who ended up calling my four children, and they were lined up against a wall. <laughs> and, um, but what came out of that, I'll, I'll jump to the conclusion of it, before I left that hospital, I had two insights that came to me. First of all, when I woke out of the shock like, amnesia? You mean I, I lost my mind, that, you know, that kind of a thing? Two things happened. First of all, I started thinking of a guest I had on the radio show. It was actually somebody who I really liked a lot. Tom Zendry, who was former president of Unity uh, Worldwide. He's a CEO coach now. Um, part of this um, um, transpersonal leadership council in California. And I thought about him and I thought, all of a sudden, I just started laughing without even thinking about it. And I said, well, who made him a leader on that leadership council? Why not that dear old lady that I saw? Because I was doing a little bit of hospice work at the time. I remember seeing this amazing old lady in a nursing home who had the most beautiful eyes and this presence about her. And I thought, why shouldn't she be on that council? And then I started seeing that our spirituality and all the things that I had done through the years is just a breath away from a Saturday Night Live skit. We take take ourselves way too seriously with our high-mindedness and our best-selling authors and our deep-thinking books and our deep conversations. (laughs) And we just, we need to start laughing a little bit more about it because I believe God does. And so I started laughing uncontrollably with my friend Jay. That was the first thing, tears rolling down my face through laughter. She had left then, and there was about a 20-minute period when I was alone by myself in this room at Community North Hospital. It was quiet, and then the voice spoke to me. Eight times I've had this voice speak to me. I call it God, and it's always in a phrase that's almost audible. But the energetic hit is so powerful, it feels like it's audible. And it always feels like a mother-father, a parent figure whispering in my ear. This is the eighth time it's happened. Now, we all get intuitive hits every day, mm-hmm. but this is that dramatic of a... Now, I don't know why it doesn't happen often for me. Maybe it will down the road. I, I don't ask. I don't explain it. But this time, the voice said, stop. It's time to stop. And I started sobbing uncontrollably. And just like the other seven times, that's what I heard. And then I had this download, this divine download of what it meant. And what that, what that meant was, Richard, stop thinking, stop processing, stop and be. And I sat with that. And then about 10 minutes, I felt like I had spiritual surgery on my head. By the time I got home later that day, they released me from the hospital. I was walking around like I literally had surgery. I felt like a California surfer. It was like, whoa, dude. I mean, that's, I, I lo- it was like bliss. It was my Eckhart Tolle experience. I was in a blissful state. Later that day, I'm looking at my bookshelf, and I saw a book on the shelf that just was really speaking to me, and I started laughing because I bought that book as I usually did. Next bestseller, gotta read it, and I did, and I tried to read it, and I didn't really understand it that much, so I put it back on the shelf, right where it still was. Mm-hmm. That book was The Power of Now, mm-hmm. Eckhart Tolle. And I read it in one day. And I thought, that's what he was trying to say. And I didn't understand. I get it now. All we have is now. And so I started walking that out, slowing down my thinking. I processed less. 
didn't mean I didn't step my toe back into that water from time to time, even to this day. But even now, as a mantra, I'll playfully say, Richard, stop. It's time to stop. And so then I started sitting under teachers I'd never sat under before. Quote, non-duality teachers, Eckhart Tolle probably being the most popular, but others like Jeff Foster, Miranda McPherson, Leonard Jacobson. And I started getting it. And I'd already started reading Rumi and Hafez and Tagore and all these mystics like St. John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila, Christian mystics. And they were all teaching the same thing, that we're one. Because when they would teach about their love for God, you didn't know if they were talking about God or a physical lover. And it reminded me of the Song of Solomon in the Old Testament, same thing. It was those experiences, those heart experiences, that really brought me to finally see the illusion of separation. There is no separation. So books about quantum physics can help. It was head knowledge, but the heart knowledge, the illumination came when I had the experience. And I really believe when people finally wake up from their sleep, a lot of people are walking around and functioning, but they're asleep because you can tell a person's asleep when they still teach or act or work in a duality. Us, them, enemy. You know, when you, when you hear Congress or presidents talking about that, like, well, they're the enemy and we in the fear mentality and win, lose, that's duality and it's duality that's got us in the shape that we're in. But by changing our way of thinking, changing our way of being into non-duality, which is saying illusion, separation is an illusion, then you start seeing, no, there's none of that. There's no borders. We're all one. The Koreans, the, the Syrians, um, you know, in, in Ireland, it used to be the, the Catholics and the Protestants. I mean, this whole world has had a history of illusion of separation, which has been at the heart of all the wars. But as we begin to knock that down, you start seeing people start crossing those borders, those divisions, and start working together. And it's a beautiful thing. So it's really when people start opening up the heart that you see the miracles begin to happen and the, the walls start coming down. What do you think? It's probably because they're categorized. You know, we categorize Jewish people or Syrian people or... Could that have something to do with it? Well, it, it, trying to knock down those walls first? Yeah, but uh, it also feeds all we've known. If we've grown up in an educational system that has taught us that, that's all we know. That's how we're wired. It takes oftentimes an experience. An experience could be like my first trip I made to Haiti. It just blew me away. And I realized, oh, I'm not there for them. They're here for me. Because they taught me by their joy in having nothing, I mean nothing. And here I am bitching about the car I'm driving that it's not new enough, <laughs> or wanting this item or that item, and they had nothing, and yet they would sing and they would dance and they would ask me what I need. I was so humbled, that was a breaking point. I think it's just opening up our hearts and truly seeing the magic that's all around us. You know, I spend a lot of time in Ecuador, and it's this exact same thing. And I've had people say, for the because we give scholarships to kids and so forth, and they're like, oh, you do such good stuff. 
Oh no, I get so much more because it grounds me and it yeah. gets me to think, you know, yeah, that car doesn't matter, that this doesn't matter, that that doesn't matter because they are so happy mm-hmm. and it's authentic. Mm-hmm. So it's about an authentic moment. Could that have something to do with it? Instead of, like we give money. Let's just mm-hmm. say we give money mm-hmm. to a cause. Sure. We, we're separated from that. I don't know what that's going to do. Mm-hmm. I just know that this is what mm-hmm. you needed. Here it is. Yeah, but, but why did you give that money to that particular cause? Because I believed in it. Or What caused you to believe in it? What caused your heart to open up to that cause to believe in it? Because I met somebody that okay. believed in it. So you are connected. <laughs> so even though you don't know all the necessary people that are maybe receiving the blessing of that, but that is an example of your heart opening up to that particular cause for those particular people. But could you have more of an authentic moment with immersing yourself into something like that? Like you said, with Haiti or Ecuador? Well, I think it's just more obvious. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think it's more obvious. I think, you know, I think with him explaining it to you, you probably <clears throat> kind of get that connection now. Mm-hmm. When you when you're immersed in it or when you mm-hmm. go and, and you have kids running up to you, hugging on you, um, you know, because, you know, I have a big wall, right? You know, I don't like people in my circle. I don't like people <laughs> yeah. touching me. And... Oh, I love it. I'll mm-hmm. let those kids hang on me all day long. Right. I would never do here. Right. And it is, but it is about getting, being grounded and, and seeing those things and finding that place in yourself and bringing that home with you. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. leaving it there. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Not leaving it there. When you can bring it home and you can then say, okay, you know, it's easy for me to love those kids. How can I love that coworker that just, grinds on me (laughs) right you know Mm -hmm. and it's but it's the same thing Mm -hmm. it's the same thing yeah then why 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 do we have that wall there why can you fill it in haiti or ecuador but i can't fill it at well we have the wall because of fear you know it takes it takes an initiation of bringing some people together there's lots of organizations that i've heard of that that i've had on my show in the past uh one in israel that's bringing Israeli and Palestinian children, youth together, to have mm-hmm. conversations. Because sometimes the adults are so ingrained with the prejudice, so they're starting with the youth. Um, there's a peacemaking community in Northern Ireland called Corimela Community, right on the coast of Northern Ireland, that back really not that long ago, when there was still a lot of hatred going on, it's kind of subsided right now between Protestants and Catholics, they would bring Catholic and Protestant youth together mm-hmm. to talk about that. Um, look, I remember when Michael Jackson passed away, not that long ago, right? And that was worldwide news. Mm-hmm. And they had that big memorial celebration service, what, in New York and Martin and Madison Square Garden or something? Mm-hmm. We were all watching it on TV, but they were having cameras from all over the world in various mm-hmm. countries, in probably Syria and Korea and all these other hot spots. You would have kids dancing to the music. Music is one of the ways that bridges it. Why? Because I think it's the vibration of music. It goes to something deeper. I remember Larry Dossie, when we first invaded Iraq in the first war, he had been on the show at that time, and he just made the comment, he said, you know, instead of sending troops, I think we ought to send our jazz musicians. (laughs) You know, it's funny because uh, in the 70s and the 80s, when, when the Cuba issue was such a big deal, right? And we were trying to negotiate how we how are we going to bridge this gap with Cuba, and that was one thing. I said, give them MTV. Yeah. 
That was a that was a big selling point. Give them MTV, let MTV come into Cuba, and you're going to see that the culture is going to change. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a big joke back then, yeah. but there's truth to it. But what we were doing, 60 Minutes did a thing. This was way before Obama um, had the thing about dropping the embargo, and mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen now. But our country was sending musicians in. Mm-hmm. Went Marcellus and a few others, and 60 Minutes did almost a half-hour thing of that, bringing our jazz musicians into Cuba, playing with their jazz musicians. And it was so beautiful because you saw people of different cultures, different political persuasions, hugging and kissing each other and playing music together and drinking together. They were one. They, they were brother and sister because music helped knock down those walls and those yeah. divisions. So certainly so, can do that. Absolutely. So finding a common thread amongst... You know, and music is, is a positive one, but uh, Mark and I were just talking the other day that like the Oklahoma City bombing, for example, or the 9-11 tragedy, mm-hmm. the crime rate in those two locations after that has happened and since then mm-hmm. has never reached the numbers that it was prior to. And in Oklahoma City, there were there were months went by that they had no not one call to the police. There was not one domestic violence incident. There was not one carjacking. There was not one break-in. Mm-hmm. Well, why is that? Mm-hmm. Well... Because it was a level playing field. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter if you were the cook, you know, in the cafeteria, or if you were the CEO of an organization. 9-11, it didn't matter if you were, you know, multimillionaire right. working on the, you know, 100th floor, or if you were the janitor or the mail person. Mm-hmm. It was a level playing field. Everyone mm-hmm. was devastated. And mm-hmm. that that brings people together. Right. And the Oklahoma City Bombing Museum, uh, the Memorial Center, does it better than I think any place in the world of, of sending that message out there mm-hmm. that we are all one. Right. That's the whole message of their entire event there right. is that this happened here, but it didn't happen to us. It happened to everyone. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the message of the 60s, peace, love, was right on but what we're having now is the message of the 60s with steroids basically with science to back it now that we can have peace we can have love now and here's why because we're all energy and therefore we are all together i mean people grieve the same way in various cultures that's always fascinated me with some of the death and dying experience i've had in my past Um, that when you see a bomb take out some innocent victims, let's say in Iraq, and you see it on the news, well, you witness something powerful. They're grieving just like I would if something happened to my children here. Mm -hmm. Well, that is another subtle reminder that we're all the same. We smile and are happy with our children. We grieve when we lose our children. We we laugh when we have our animal companions with us because they give us so much joy. We grieve when we lose them. We have so much more in common, but the illusion, the illusion is based in fear. That's why I truly believe it's always been love or fear. It's been one of those two. And we still operate in fear. All you have to do is look at politics and all the political commercials and what's going on in Washington still. Most of the negativity is based in fear. Exactly. But we've seen in the last year and a half, all you got to go is go into YouTube and, and check some videos. There have been some uh, leaders in the white supremacy movement that have left that and realized really? what they were doing were wrong. 
and the videos that they, they now post about that. And that's powerful because it tells you people can be re-educated. I'll just use the term rewired, if you will, to come out of that side and all of a sudden say, oh my God, please forgive me. Uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu saw that in South Africa when apartheid finally came down. The walls mm -hmm. and divisions of that came down and they had their truth and reconciliation meetings which were heart-rendering. People coming together, people who did atrocities, people who suffered atrocities, asking forgiveness of one another. That in itself is testimony to the illusion of separation that people can come out on the other side and say, oh my God, what did we do? Or, oh my God, I wanted to kill you for what you did to me, but you know what, brother or sister, I will love you despite what you did. There's resilience in the human spirit, and I still believe in that. You know, despite all the atrocities that are going on in the world, um, I, I, was, I drank the Kool-Aid of Leo Buscalia, and he's still my hero. And he died a long time ago, but he was a doctor of love in the 60s and 70s. And on and PBS, he was their number one big seller on PBS during those days, and all he taught was love. And I really believe that the revolution is going to take one heart at a time, one listener to your show at a time, each person making that transformation, realizing they can be light and love wherever they go into the drugstore that day or the grocery store and treat people more with kindness. I believe that's how we're going to see a revolution take place. Oh, I agree. And we've, we've kind of talked about that a lot, that it's the choices that you make. Yeah. And what are you going to say yes to? Right. Are you going to say yes to loving that person or are you going to say yes to judging that person? Exactly. And loving them right where they are and being the example that you can be Exactly. in that moment, that mindful yeah. moment yeah. on the stage that you've been given and make a difference right then and there. And, and what are you going to say yes to? Can I share something um, regarding self-love? Oh, sure, sure. Absolutely. I want to read one of my favorite uh, Rumi poems for uh, you listeners out there who've not heard of Rumi, I encourage you to look him up. Um, he's number one poet in the world, by the way, courtesy of modern-day translators. Um, but he wrote a poem called The Guest House, and Rumi lived in the 14-1500s in what is now Afghanistan. And um, But I'm saying this because I've come to see, and a lot of the guests that I have on my show, I'll ask them either on air or off the air, what do you see as a number one need? And what still surprises me with all the radio shows, with Oprah everywhere, with all these teachers and all the access we have to books and everything, the number one need is still self-love. People are still beating themselves up. So Rumi wrote a poem called The Guest House, and he said, here's what he says. This being human is our guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. So what he's saying is that we all have a shadow side. 
Um, if there's listeners who are Christian and you've read the Bible in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul talks about uh, that thorn in his flesh. He prayed and prayed and that thorn in his flesh was never taken away. Well, what he was talking about was his shadow. Um, everybody has a shadow. Um, my shadows are um, maybe call it lack of confidence or anxiety or fear. Uh, stuff I've picked up growing up, right? And I've learned how not to let it control me. But sometimes in the middle of the night when you wake up, like a wave, it just might come on you. Some people, it's depression. It can be a hundred or thousand different things. Well, that's what Rumi was talking about in his poem. But he would say, instead of trying to destroy them, he said, welcome them because it's a part of who you are. It's that wounded little girl or little boy inside you that we will all have. And so now what I've done, and I've learned to do this, is if I'm having a good day, whatever, fine, I'm in a dead sleep, but I wake up in the middle of the night and all of a sudden, this anxious thought might hit me. Well, before what I would do is I'd try to numb it. I'd get up and watch TV, or I'd try to read a book, or I'd try to use affirmations to beat it down, beat it down. Well, all you're doing is resisting and it's just going to come back even harder and harder like a wave. So, and most of the spiritual sages have taught don't resist. What you resist persists. So when it comes up now, I say, oh, anxiety. You know what? It's come up to be held, not to be healed. So I hold it for a while like a wounded, frightened little child because it's that wounded, frightened little Ricky. I was named Ricky when I was little. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm three, maybe I'm five, but this time I hold it, and then I say, you know what, it's time to go now. It's time to go. And so then I release it. And you know what, by doing that, I fall right back to sleep. Where before, I was so frightened by it, I'd make this big deal and I would feed it and feed it. And so that's what Rumi was saying, that any course of a day, all you listeners out there, and look, I've had a lot of these big-name teachers come to Indianapolis. I've seen the other side of them. I know they have their shadow stuff, too. They just don't talk about it. Eating disorders, rage, anger, I've seen it all. But yes, they've also taught the best books about love and peace. We're all the same, you know? It's just, what. that's why I always appreciate people the most who don't believe their own press clippings. They just let their hair down, and they're, they're, they're real people, and they're really authentic. So. But that, that's really helped me is to realize that even the shadow stuff, it's a part of who we are, and there should be no separation there either. So I now embrace my light, and I want to put my light out there, and I don't care if that diminishes, if people, are, um, if people feel jealous of that light, and it's only because they, they don't feel worthy enough. Marianne Williamson has a great quote about that. But I embrace the light, and I embrace the shadow. And it's the shadow that then humbles me and keeps me humble with people because we're all the same. I mean, we all have beautiful light to share in the world, but we all have some insecurities. Well, so what? Let's just acknowledge it. Now let's just start loving each other and trying to get along. So that's when I started revisiting the mystic poetry because they had so much to say about the illusion of separation way before we even heard the term quantum physics. True. Yeah. So accepting that we're emotional beings instead of trying to repress it all the time, because I do it. You know, you get those feelings that come up and like, yeah, I'm not, I don't want to feel that. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh absolutely. So absolutely. trying to just let it take its natural course. Yeah, yeah, because we can embrace those things without letting them control us. 
So, so we and don't. If we don't embrace them, that they're probably going to control us. They always will. They'll exactly. always come back. Yeah. Um, dark night of the soul was something that was coined, I think, from Saint John of the Cross. And a dark night of the soul is often described as when you don't even feel like God or a higher power is there. In other words, you have lost all hope. But one of the treatments that has been prescribed by a lot of healers and such is when a dark night of the soul comes to you, just let it come on you. So I remember hearing a teacher um, from one well-known um, healer and best-selling author, and I forgot his name right now, but he said one time he had a dark night of the soul and he just put a chair in the middle of his room and said, come on me. <laughs> and it did like a wave and he just started yelling or weeping and he just felt it all knowing that that wave pretty soon just like the ocean would go back out to the sea and it did and he still sat there and it took maybe an hour an hour and a half until finally the wave just stopped and he was fine he was tired but he didn't fight it anymore he just let it come on him and that's what I've learned also by swimming and you're in the ocean I mean, fighting the wave, you tighten up your muscles, there's a greater chance to sink. If you just go limp, there's a greater chance you'll bob up right back up into there and you start treading water and then pull out of the wave. And so, yeah, what we resist persists. So we stop resisting. We just, here's a phrase, and quantum physics has backed this phrase up, and I love it. Go with the flow, baby. Just go <laughs> with the flow. So we're always looking where the flow is, and we want to go with it. Just ride with it. Yeah. That, Wayne Dyer used to joke about the song, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. <laughs> there you go. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure we're not rowing upstream. I could write a book on that early in my life. I was rowing upstream all the time, and I was rowing, and my arms were tired, and now it's like, oh, heck with that. Put the oars in. I'll just see where it's going to take me. Well, the universe, or as you said, of God or whatever, is that it's down the stream. Right. You know, it's not meant to be up the stream. Yeah. It's our choices, our implementation of those choices, our judgments, our separation feelings. Yes. That we think we need to swim back up the stream to right. what hasn't worked for us already. Right. Rather than taking the gift that we're given. Right. And, and just float. Exactly. Now, it doesn't mean there's not going to be rapids we're going to go through. Right. Because there certainly may be. Oh, yeah. And it's not over yet. Right. But... Mm -hmm. It is about just surrendering and saying, okay, I trust what I believe to be true. Exactly. You know, and I think that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what you believe? Yes. Do you know what you believe and can you trust what you believe? That's right. And, and a lot of people don't. Mm -hmm. And until you do, mm -hmm. you're going to constantly want to be swimming upstream, I think. Right. right. But do you take small steps to that? Does it start, instead of going, jumping right into love at... You know, I can see where some of the uh, the audience would think, well, yeah, I can't just jump into loving everybody. Well, could it start with something like appreciation? Oh, yeah, and it's not about loving everybody because you can't. It always starts with small steps. It really starts with loving yourself. Okay. I mean, even Jesus said that. He said, if you don't remember anything else, boys... It's always the guys that are analyzing everything. Remember this. <laughs> love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, first of all, you can't love your neighbor until you love yourself. Okay. Good and point. loving God, for the listener, that can be source, that can be your higher power, however you define that. Um, knowing that you are special, knowing that you are beautiful, knowing that you are magnificent, knowing that you are enough. 
I think a lot of people operate out of this illusion of not enoughness. I'm not enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not loving enough. I'm not beautiful enough. I'm not handsome enough. I'm not this enough. You are enough. And I think it's changing that paradigm and, and, and saying to yourself that I am enough. I have enough. I do enough. Actually, that's a mantra I borrowed from a woman named Sark. Susan Ariel Rainbow Kennedy, who writes the most outrageous books. But that was a mantra that she used for years for her to believe that she could be an artist. And so now she's a well-paid artist writing all these amazing books and posters and things. I am enough. I have enough. I do enough. It doesn't matter what your eyes are seeing. It, it matters what you believe in your heart. So you're right. It does take those small steps to begin to do that. And just one step at a time. I have an artist friend... Terry, who many years ago reminded me, and sometimes I'll remind her, just do the next thing. Don't get overwhelmed with down the road. Right. Don't get over like with your radio show, right? You got a great thing going here, by the way. You get overwhelmed saying, well, how are we going to grow down the road? I really see a bigger thing with this. But if you just do the next thing, like right. the next show, the next guest, we're going to try something different the next time, then one thing will lead to another and another and another. You're going down the stream, and all of a sudden, wow, look how far we've come now. Exactly. Look how many more people we're reaching. That's but true. if I tried to process that ahead of time like I used to, well, that ended up why I had to have amnesia. I did it so much, God said, okay, dude, I'm taking your mind away. How about that? <laughs> and I, I think it's easy to understand when we put it in a, in a context of, you know, we're going to go on a 10-mile hike or we're going to go on a 50-mile bike ride. Yeah. You know, you can't think... 50 miles down the road, right. you know, you right. need to get to the next stoplight right. and, exactly. then, and then worry. Yeah. Right. And you've got to do it one step at a time, one moment at a time. And that moment, we've, you know, we've, we talked about mm -hmm. mindfulness and being mm -hmm. in that moment because mm -hmm. life is moment to moment. When you take it a day at a time mm -hmm. or a month at a time, yeah. you're not, you're going to miss those moments. Right. And then we don't feel like we're enough. Right. And then, you know, we have plenty of people willing to do our laundry list to tell us that we're not enough. Oh, oh my. Yeah, yeah. You know, yes. So find those people that tell you are enough. Yeah. That show you how you're enough. Yeah. Yeah, we have That's enough true. people who are soul suckers. They will suck the soul uh -huh. right out of you. Yes. But we want to start aligning with friends who will even hold our dreams in their heart when we can't. I agree. When we're that. so weak and we're beating ourselves so much, they're the ones that are reminding us that you can do it because I see who you are. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. That's exactly yeah, because true. They, there's plenty of people that'll keep you down. Oh, it yeah. could be a boss. It could be a parent. It could be anybody. Absolutely. That's right. Well, that's yeah. why we love our pets so much, right? Because right. Unconditional pets, love. pets are the are the exactly. gurus of that, aren't that's they? Right. Well, and they're the best example. But we see that. But you know, I, I I I say all the time. You know, if I if I could just live my life in a place of love, like my dog. I know. Where you know he he doesn't care. <laughs> what color yeah. you are. He doesn't yeah. care. You know, anybody that comes in the house, he loves them. Someone said, I want to be the kind of man my dog already thinks I am. Exactly. Because <laughs> when I came here, your dogs treated me like I was the saint and the best person they ever met in their life. <laughs> and you were for that moment. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah, that's the you. whole point. In that moment. That's right. In that and that, moment, but, yeah. that's, but isn't that the point? Yes. Right? That's the point. Because can you separate... <laughs> From everything else that's going on to give that person in front of you right now that moment. That's right. 
And yeah. can we do that all the time? Absolutely I know. not. We wouldn't no. be here anymore if we were that perfect. Right, but, right. you know, we can sure try to do that yes. and be grateful for those opportunities when we do that. We, we don't always connect with people, right? Mm-hmm. Like you mm-hmm. said earlier, it's just mm-hmm. impossible to do so. Mm-hmm. So is it a question of really being mindful, knowing that either this, pro- this person is having a bad day because they're sending off some way bad vibes mm-hmm. and staying away from them? Can we separate ourselves I think that? as we get more sensitive to energy, more sensitive, therefore, to drama, to stress, we all have situations where Sally or Joe is the one in the office that they have a bad day and next thing you know it's a tornado and the closer mm-hmm. you get to that you get swept into that next thing you know you're having a bad day right so as we become more aware of that then we can make conscious choices to step away from that bad day or step away from him or her that day without saying anything but just saying no I don't need that in my life and the thing is is that the Sally or Joe or whoever, they see that. It may take a day, it may take a month, it may take six months, Mm -hmm. but they will see that you're not in their tornado and things start to change. Yeah, It's hard to change other people, see that you're not in their tornado and so they kind of take baby steps to follow so they can get out of the tornado. Mm -hmm. Or a lot of times Mm -hmm. that tornado just kind of starts to subside because it's not working. Because that tornado doesn't work for them either. Right. Right. Well, yeah. You know, not no, not in the long run. No, it doesn't work for them either. because they're miserable inside. Exactly. It right. doesn't work for them either. They Absolutely. want that peace that you have not being in their tornado. They just don't know how to do it. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. Because, yeah, yeah, you do have that when people are just sucked into so much inner turmoil. Mm-hmm. And then they meet people that are not like that. And they naturally just gravitate or not even gravitate that's saying the right word though cling yeah. you know onto that it's just it's hard like, to stay in that place and not get hooked absolutely you know and sometimes you're going to get some. hooked well that's what they do that's all they know and if you i'm sure you go back their family situation was like that they were treated like that something somewhere along the line that worked for them and that's right. that was their safe place but that doesn't it doesn't it just doesn't keep working the older that you get which is why it's so important that each one of us has our own daily practice and preferably that we do that in the morning before we leave our house out into the world and it'll be different for different people depending on their belief systems or what have you but basically I would say learn how to quiet the mind I think everyone would agree with that no matter what religion or no religion that meditation stillness helps and so I've learned that the mornings I've remembered to do that the better the day I have the mornings I start for whatever reason forgot or schedule the morning, then I'm more susceptible to the stress that has come on. So I think daily practice is something I want to share also in our conversation for our listeners. If they're looking for some tips, um, create or find some kind of a daily practice to help you too. And again, the internet it can bring a lot of different examples. I mean, there's meditations you can listen to just on the internet now, and uh, which is really nice too. Um, and we did a whole show on the contemplative tree practice, yeah, okay. the med- practice of meditation yeah, and yeah. Uh, the mindfulness. Yeah, yeah, I got a lot out of that because, of course, in our mind, we thought we had to, uh, yeah, we, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. no, you can do all kinds of different things. Yeah. You can walk your dog and Absolutely. meditate. So. Absolutely, yeah. Well, we're just about out of time. Do you yeah. have any final thought for us or you want to talk about kind of anybody interested in getting in touch with you and some of the stuff that you do? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, first of all, resources. Uh, if you want to learn more about what we're talking about, 
look up Richard Rohr. He's a Franciscan priest who's also a best-selling author, and he teaches a lot of this stuff in a very simple way. And also look up Leonard Jacobson. He's one of my favorite non-duality teachers because he teaches it, again, here's a common drum for me because I have to have it simple, in a simple, easy-to-understand way, what we're talking about. Um, I have started a practice again. I used to have a practice years ago as a counselor, and then I got into life coaching, got certified in 1997 as a certified life purpose and career coach. I'm combining those two and hanging out a shingle now uh, to do some one-on-ones on workshops. So if anybody is interested in that, um, they can contact me. Um, either call me at 317-796-1897 or go to my website, richardbrendan.org, and there's contact information on there. Yeah, we'll have a direct link on the Indie Air radio page uh-huh. and on uh, the KL Stewart Group Great. page as well. And by the way, it's been a delight to be on your show. You guys are really good, and I, I love what you're doing here. Well, thank you so much. That, that means a lot to us. It sure does. I think we're getting, we are getting better Absolutely. each week. <laughs> so we're about out of time for this show, and we have some great news. Starting January 1st, 2022, you can find our show at livingonpurposepodcast.com. Or any of the podcast platform like Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher. Just search Living on Purpose Podcast and subscribe to the podcast. Or look us up on Facebook and give us a like. And let us know what you want to add to this new show. That's right. So live every day of your life. On purpose. On purpose.